Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Esther chapter 6 through 10. Special thanks to our sister Debbie Engel for sharing her notes today. Debbie's Rabbit Trails Christy explained Mordecai's genealogy in yesterday's post, but let's dig down one more layer. Mordecai is indeed of Saul's family line, but he is also of Shammai, Esther 2.5. Do you recall the man who spewed insults at King David in 2 Samuel 16, 5-7? Do you recall that David spared his life? Connect the dots with me. David spared Shammai's life, and Mordecai played an instrumental role in sparing the lives of the Jews. David even said at the time, Perhaps Yahweh will look on my affliction and return good to me for his cursing this day. 2 Samuel 16.12 I would say that David got his request. I point this out to shed light on the fact that everything in the Word has meaning. The Father wastes nothing. Chapter 6 Just enjoy this. It's the age-old plot of misunderstanding. Haman, in his pride, is sure that he will be honored, only to find out that all of his suggestions will be used to honor his enemy. Esther 6.10 Can you imagine Haman's disappointment? Speaking of Haman, let's look at his genealogy. We are told in chapter 3 that Haman is a son of Hamadatha the Agagite. Do you recall that King Saul was to have put under a ban of destruction all of the Amalekites? Agog, their king, was spared, only to be killed later by Samuel. Obviously, Saul left other survivors. Generations later, in walks Haman. So we can look back at one disobedient act committed by King Saul as the source for this opportunity for Haman to annihilate the Jews. Chapter 7, The Big Reveal Esther asked for the king to grant me my life and spare the life of my people, Esther 7.3. Esther then reveals that it is Haman who has orchestrated this plan. Can you imagine all the thoughts that must be swirling in the king's head? Lots of dot connecting must have been going on. He withdrew to the garden to think things through. Haman realizes his life is in jeopardy and begs for mercy. In walks the king. Now, we're going to look at the word kapha. Let's look at this Hebrew word for a moment. When the king returns to find Haman begging Esther for his life, the king becomes angry. His words literally kapha Haman. The word is to cover in Esther 7, 8. Throughout the Hebrew text, the word kapha is only used in a literal sense of covering something in a physical way, like a head covering. Here, though, it is used to describe how King Ahasuerus' words covered Haman. I'm picturing some in-your-face angry yelling taking place here. I imagine Haman could feel the breath of the king physically pronounce his doom. Kapha could also indicate the certainty of Haman's doom. His fate was covered at this point. Chapter 8, The Irony. Esther is given the estate of Haman and puts Mordecai in charge of it. Mordecai is given the king's signet ring. Haman is hanged on the very gallows built for Mordecai. 
A rabbit trail for you left over from the very end of chapter 7, the Hebrew indicates something closer to an impalement. Think crucifixion. Do you recall from the Torah that it was a curse to be hung on a tree? Deuteronomy 21 verses 22 to 23. There's lots of room for a trail here. Just be sure to come back and join us if you choose to take it. While King Ahasuerus cannot reverse the law, he gives Queen Esther full privilege to use his name to create a solution in Esther 8.8. And what a great plan she and Mordecai came up with. The Jews are allowed to assemble and protect themselves, Esther 8.11. This is such good news that the Jews rejoice throughout the empire, and many of the people of the land become Jews. Recall that in the Torah, outsiders were welcomed if they agreed to the covenant. They were to be treated the same as the native-born, Numbers 15, 13 through 16. Growing the kingdom is not a New Testament or New Covenant concept. It certainly took on exponential capacity of the New Testament, but the Father has always been about the work of growing His kingdom. Hallelujah! Chapter 9, The Victory, The Jews Prevail Haman's ten sons are hanged, Esther 9.5 and 9.14. Mordecai creates a new festival to commemorate this event. It will be called Purim. While this is a worthy festival created to help future generations remember their history, let me be very clear about one thing. Are you ready? This is not one of the Father's appointed times. You will not find this as a command in the Torah. Does that make it bad? In my opinion, no. But let's be real about opinions. As Christy reminds us daily, test everything. The word Purim translates as lots. Remember that they cast the purr in the presence of Haman, Esther 3, 7. So the festival is named for that process as a backhanded reflection on Haman. Jews in Israel celebrate Purim to this day in its purest form, It teaches the history of the Jews and their deliverance from Haman's evil plot to destroy them. We just finished Esther. Rock Hazak. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.